0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Toronto Jazz drummer and composer Elios Sterianos. He opened up about his new 2023 CD, The Babylonia Suite, recorded in June of 2023 at the renowned Canterbury Music Company in Toronto, featuring 10 original tracks that encompass Middle Eastern, Indo-Jazz fusion, funk, and hard bop styles, along with a traditional Iraqi Jewish song. We cover this new project, his life and music, the future, and so much more. Enjoy. It's great to meet you, and before we get into the Babylonia suite, I want to begin our conversation with what we've lived through for the last three and a half years or so this global pandemic. How did you get through it and how good does it feel to have an album out now
1: boy um it's been very difficult uh i have a I have a family I have two little kids um and uh back at the beginning of the pandemic i remember um we were we were all in the house together all day uh because the kids couldn't uh go to school the school was closed and we were doing online school and uh my son i remember like trying to do online school with him i was like holding him in my lap and he was just like squirming like trying to get away yeah. Um yeah, that, that part was really tough and then yeah. as far as music goes um uh I had I had a tour booked uh right I, I remember the Friday the March 13th, Friday March 13th of 2020, I had a show booked that night in Guelph, Ontario, which is just a little bit outside of Toronto. Had to cancel that show. I had a tour booked to uh, Ottawa and Montreal, which are like Montreal's in Quebec, uh, Ottawa's uh, the capital of Canada. Had to cancel those shows, uh, and it felt like it felt like the band was all over. It felt like it was done. Um, but eventually, you know, a couple of years went by, and um, I said, you know what? I don't want to let it go. So I. I I assembled the music. I got some musicians together, and I restarted my the Babylonia project. And so it is great to uh, feel that I I lost all that, but I put it back together, and it came back stronger than ever. So you know I I'm I'm fine right now. I feel I feel good about it. So what were the artistic forces
0: that went into this project? How did you put it together?
1: Um, I mean, <laughs> kind of funny. I, I used to play uh, a lot harder, like louder music, let's say hard rock and stuff like that. And, uh, and my parents were like, you know, we're not going to come see you play if you're going to play stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, I always played jazz. Like, I went to Berkeley College of Music. I, I, you know, studied jazz and studied with, like, Ian Froman and Joe Hunt, like, great drummers. And um, so I figured I would just write some, some jazz and some nice music that my parents would like to see. <laughs> and um, I wrote a tune called Florina, which is... Um, it's a septitelli, which is a, a a type of a Greek dance, like a a belly dance, and that came out on my last album, Bethany Project. And so my mom heard that, and she's like, "Oh, okay. Well, you wrote a song for your dad. That's nice. You know, where's my song?" So then I started looking in. My mom, my mom was born in in Mumbai, in India, and but her family is originally from Baghdad, so they are Jews, they go way back like 2,500 years, and so instead of just writing one song for my mom, I wrote a six-part suite for her family that traces the, the, the lineage and the voyage of of them from free iraq it was like called Babylonia or Mes- Mesopotamia, Yeah, it was in Mesopotamia called Babylonia. And they lived there for generations, you know, thousands of years. And eventually it became Iraq. And then they left and moved to Mumbai where my mom was born, then to England, then to Manchester. So uh, uh, really the, the music that I wrote was inspired by all these places and um, the, just the journey of my mom's family.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. So at the end of the day... What are you hoping the listener gets from this album? Um,
1: I'm hoping, you know, I, I, years ago, I used to listen to uh, Pharaoh Sanders records like uh, Jewels of Thoughts and Tauhi. I can't even, I don't know how to say it, Tauhi. Um, and obviously Coltrane, like A Love Supreme and stuff like that, and they those albums they had they had a spiritual feeling to them yeah. and and with Pharaoh Sanders he had that singer Leon Thomas you remember that yeah <laughs> remember that guy yeah i just i like i like getting a good a warm feeling from a record you know where you know you you feel transported almost to another place uh you feel calm you feel you know, stimulated or whatever by the music. Um, that's what I'm kind of hoping for. I, I'm hoping that people get, get um, and especially, uh, you know, I hope people get a feeling of peace and uh, joy from listening to it. So how did
0: this journey into the jazz begin for you? How did it start? And who were some early influences
1: on you? Uh, so I have to credit my my aunts. my aunt Edwina. She lives in, in manchester england and uh when i was 14 years old she gave me a compilation an english jazz compilation called i love jazz and that was the first jazz record i ever had it had um it had Louis armstrong doing Ma- uh, mac the knife yep had uh it had a miles davis tune on it um it had let me see, there was some Art Blakey on it, uh, the drum suite. Uh, It had, no, no, I'm sorry, Cubano chant. Max Roach was the drum suite. Yeah. So I loved that tape, and I just wore it out and listened to it over and over and over again. Um, and then she bought me, like, books about jazz, so I started reading about it. Um, really, I have to say, the first drummer that I got interested in was Max Roach. I still, I still feel that he is the greatest drum soloist that I have ever heard. Um, like the early Max Roach that I used to listen to. Like, uh, you know, a friend of my dad's had the the great the Matthew Massey Hall concert. I don't know if you're aware of. You must know the great jazz concert. Wait, yeah, which uh, which I don't know if people
0: understand. It was sparsely populated because there was a big bo- boxing match that night. Like, it's one of the most iconic shows ever, but no one came to it. And that's the reason why.
1: Sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, decli- I don't know how to decline. I sent a voice. So there we go. Okay. Did you know that, that
0: there was a boxing match going that night?
1: Uh, was it uh, Joe? Jill- no, wait. Who was fighting?
0: Rocky Man alive!
1: It was a big fight. I can't
0: remember, but I know that they said that no one really showed up, and it was one of the best concerts
1: ever captured. Yes, and it was right here in Toronto. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jazz history: Mingus, uh, Max Roach, Bird, <laughs> Bud Powell, Dizzy, like the greatest. That. So yeah, I used to listen to that. I used to listen to Salt Peanuts and Max Roach just flying, right? Like so fast um, and so articulate and beautiful, his strumming, right? Um, I listened to a record called Saxophone Colossus Yeah. Uh, with uh, that tune St. Thomas where Max is he did the beautiful intro and then he did a solo later and then he was trading with Sonny Rollins and just like, Ah, his sound is so beautiful. And then I got to see Max Roach play, yeah. which was like the highlight of my life. I have to tell you. So he comes out. He was like in his 60s at the time playing at a place called the Bermuda Onion, a jazz club in Toronto that is defunct now. It's gone. They come out. It's a quartet with uh, Cecil Bridgewater, Odin Pope, and I think Tyrone Hill was playing bass. The first tune they played was Cherokee and it was faster than I've never heard anybody play that fast that was the first tune of the night wow and they were 10 minutes and they were just and everybody in the eyes was just like like <laughs> what happened like it's uh, yeah Max Roach is just incredible I can't I can't say enough about him and I met him and he was so nice oh dude know? that's great yeah yeah I was like, how do you do that hi-hat thing? I was only 18 years old. I'm like, how do you do that hi-hat thing where you're <laughs> hitting the bottom of the hi-hat? He's like, oh yeah, it's like this, you know, blah, blah. Yeah, very cool guy. And um, I guess some other drummers that I really love are Tony Williams. Uh, I I love Tony Williams. Four and More is probably my favorite jazz record. Miles Davis, Four and More. But there's so many great musicians and you know you can't i can't i'd go on all day <laughs> yeah. so with, what was the very first live
0: jazz show that you ever saw the blew you away?
1: the first live okay i remember that um that's i think my aunt took me when she was in toronto she took me to see went marsalis wow the uh uh, Massey Hall, it was either at Massey Hall or Roy Thompson Hall, I think it was, it might, it might have been Roy Thompson Hall, which is another great venue in Toronto, and uh, I think we were sitting up behind the stage, and the thing I remember about that show, that was about 1987, right, so Wynton was still, you know, the young lion who uh, just swept in and b- basically brought jazz back from the dead, right? I mean, you know, like in the late seventies, jazz was virtually it was virtually non existent and you know, and in many ways, like the you know, fusion had kind of taken over, and acoustic jazz was really on the way out. But Wynton, when he came, he he brought it back, like he single-handedly brought that jazz back. He he started like jazz education, anyways. I remember his drummer did a crazy solo that night. He was playing on the sides of the drums. I had never seen that before. So yeah, Winston.
0: That's cool. That's very, I've never heard that, that, that went was kind of the one that ushered that in. I'm not surprised. I mean, especially from the lineage he comes from that they were very steeped in that tradition of being in the cradle of jazz in new Orleans. I don't think any of them wanted to see that go away, but um yeah, because the CGI era and all of that electronic stuff was really trying to kind of snarfing it out and everybody was kind of going with miles as lead because he went through the electronic era. So yeah, it's gold. It's good that he pulled it out of the abyss, you know?
1: I mean, everybody's got their own opinions about Winton. Like you know, some people love him, some people hate him. Um, but you know, yeah, I respect what he's done and and bringing back the um, Lincoln Center and all that kind of stuff. And he's just full bore. He's just jazz all the way, right? Like you know, he's he start, He had a lot of classical records when he was first starting out. I don't. I don't think he's doing that too much anymore.
0: Yeah, he did. You know, I don't get the argument against him. I mean, even if you do have a bard against levels of him bringing back the New Orleans Dixieland vibe or whatever, I've never understood why people could not like what he does. He has been such a torchbearer of the entire idiom of jazz. It doesn't make sense to me.
1: Yeah, and the whole the whole family like is so talented and amazing. And yeah. I love Br- I like what Branford did playing with sting like I, he really brought jazz into mainstream pop yeah right that record had a huge influence on me dream of the blue, blue turtles by sting kenny kirkland omar hakeem Branford. like if you're listening to pop music you're a kid listening to pop music you're 12 years old in 1985 and somebody puts that record on Like, it just blew me, it completely blew me away, man. Completely blew me away. And Omar's drumming, I still, and then I would go back and listen to Omar, what he did with Weather Report, and then there was a TV show called Night Music, I don't know if you remember that, with uh, David Sanborn's TV show, Omar was the house drummer,
0: Yeah,
1: so beautifully, incredibly, and he'd play play with like Leonard Cohen one minute, and then he'd play with David, Fathead, Newman the next, and then they'd play with Miles. And then they would play like it was that show was insane. man. So anyway, Omar. So I got two thoughts real quick based on what you just said. There is a
0: world renowned trombone um, maker here in Kansas City. They redo trombones and Del Feo came through and he was a totally cool cad. Like his just just the whole thing about him. But you just with you just saying that right there about this eclectic jumping around mix of music, the, sh- the last show I saw before COVID happened, it was March 3rd we have an art museum in Kansas city called the Nelson Atkins, And there's an auditorium in there. And I got married in 2019 and my wife wasn't really into jazz, but of course with me, I'm going to shows I'm baptizing her in the jazz arts. So Bill Frizzell is coming through and she's like, what's he like? I'm like, I don't even know what to tell you right now. I have no idea what to expect. Bill is one of those guys that just comes in, but he had a trio and um, he came in And it was, I think, the first reported case of COVID happened in either Missouri or Kansas. And we were all starting to feel murmurings, like the cattle in the field knew the tornado was coming, you know, that kind of a thing. So at one point, Petra Hayden was a part of the trio. And she starts singing, We Shall Overcome. And she stands up and kind of has this church, purpley, like church hip robe on. And everybody else starts standing up and we start swinging and singing, we shall overcome. And it was like, oh, wow. Like it was a precursor. But as a testament to what Bill does right after that, he did a cover of Ziggy Stardust. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, that was the way it was like the pendulum of auditory things and delights just went way up and way down. But anyways, that was one of the the, the the I will never forget that show For just the way the air felt It was the last thing I saw before COVID And it was a spectacular show But Bill's that way You just don't know what you're going to get
1: Yeah I saw him uh, I saw him again when I was young uh, I, Like about 18 years old I saw the trio with R- Frizzell And Joe Lovano and Paul Modian Yeah Famous trio I didn't get it <laughs> <laughs> Again and through my eyes now, but at the time I was just like, what is God? I don't understand. <laughs> it,
0: you know, what I remember about that show is just the way he was plucking the strings on the guitar. I mean, he was, it was almost like he wanted to pull them off the fretboard. Like he was really pulling, but it just had a resounding reverberating vibe to it that just worked well. Maybe it was, he was tailoring it for the hall or for the trio, but anyway, that was, uh, that, that was a pretty good moment. Um, so I I'm curious um of all of these things that you do, you record, you play live, you're you're influencing younger players, what do you look forward to every day as a professional musician? What do you like the best about this process?
1: Um I I mean I really like every every gig is like a challenge, man. Like, you know, and I get I get nervous, I get butterflies like crazy. And, um, but it's exciting to kind of confront that and, and come in and, and try to make music, you know, that that's the most exciting part for me. Um, you know, every gig is different. There's always something going on. Uh, I'm playing tonight. I got, uh, so once a month we do, uh, I play in a jazz trio, uh, this guy, Steve Coven, he's a great piano player. And we have what we call spontaneous composition night, which is the first Thursday of the month. So we have, we've had like, you know, somebody coming out doing spoken word poetry, uh, had people come up and do country songs. Um, and it's just like the neighborhood is very eclectic up where we, where we are, where we're playing. So, uh, it's just very interesting, and I, you know what else? It's really inspiring when somebody comes up and you never heard them play before, and then they play and they're like really good. Like there was a flute player, a woman, a female flute player that I hadn't heard of, and she got up and she just started playing like changes, like she was killing it. So anyway, that that part's really exciting. I love I love hearing young musicians play, and um, I I like to support them and be a part of what they're doing if possible.
0: So one of the original houses of jazz, the most historic one is our mutual musicians foundation. um, The local union that we had and every musician that's been alive has been through there. And it's the same vibe. It's a late night place that starts around midnight. Well, no more like 10 to two in the morning. They only have cans of beer. It's like old school, you know, kind of a thing, but it's the same vibe. There's cats that come in that just floor it and, they're, they're in, you know, once they do that. So um, yeah. it's, it's a good thing. Um, you know, kind of playing off of the theme of just what you were saying about what Wynton did for jazz and it, you know, the acoustic vibe almost went away. You know, it seemed like during COVID I did more interviews than I ever did before. And it seemed like there was a lot of musicians that like left New York or left big cities. It was too expensive. They didn't know what was going to happen or students weren't enrolling at school. But from my perspective, and I don't know what yours is, it seems like it's stronger than ever. It seems like everything's kind of come back. It's come back in kind of a new incarnation, like new buildings built next to old ones. It seems like it's really doing good.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, up here, there's only a couple jazz rooms, I would say. There's, There's the Jazz Bistro, there's the Rex, and there's a another place called Herut, which is a small place. I actually, I teach drumming in the basement of that place and they have a jazz. Um, a lot of musicians have left, uh, Toronto, Toronto is the biggest city in Canada and, you know, sort of the center of jazz, I would say up here. Uh, and a lot of musicians have left, but, uh, yeah, I can, I can see it. I can feel it coming back a little bit and definitely like, What's really happening is that the younger generation is coming in now. Yeah. and you know maybe some some of the older musicians left they, they didn't want to deal with it anymore. Um, but there's some young players coming up that are just incredible. so uh, that's that's what's happening up here.
0: so you kind of talked about you know, you've been to Berkeley, you're obviously in in the jazz world, you know, and you've done other things, but you clearly love jazz. So tell me why do you love jazz?
1: uh i love improvising (laughs) that's one thing i mean you know i just it's so much fun to take a piece of music and you know look at it this way look at it that way you know get new things out of it like there's always there's always something new that you can do um my teacher at Berkeley, Ian Froman, uh, I don't know if you ever heard him play. Was yeah. a, such a master improviser, and I feel like I'm I'm nowhere near where where he's at, you know. So, uh, but I love you know, and I love playing with my band and and getting new things out of the out of the tunes every night. You know, the players are really uh, creative, and they're always pulling out new stuff. So I, that's that's what I that's what I like about it the most I would say
0: so one question I always like to ask is if you could get into a time machine and see anybody in the history of jazz where would you go but you just said a very dreamy sequence of Max Roach and you even met him so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tailor this a little different ask you of all of the musicians in the jazz world that are around right now who would you love to see live that you haven't caught live
1: that are around right
0: now yeah like modern players
1: Oh, I gotta say, hmm. Well, Micaiah McRaven came through. I I missed it. I it's difficult for me to get out at at this point because my kids are small, and I like I really like being home and staying around with them. I would love, you know, I wouldn't call him a modern player, but I would love to see John McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it almost seems like you have to go to switzerland to see him play because he only really plays at, at Montreux. um but he like as a composer he's just so ridiculous that the, like dance of the maya some of those pieces that he wrote with Mahavishnu, and then shakti uh, you know that the, the compositions And his playing is just so masterful. So I would love to see John McLaughlin sometime. John, come to Toronto. Where you?
0: He he told me one of the best Miles stories ever. I interviewed him about probably in 18, I think. And he had this recording on tape and he gave it to Miles and Miles loved it. And he said, at that point, I could have just floated up into the clouds and I would have made it. It was it was a big moment, you know. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, and Miles also recognizing that, like, because, yeah, this English guitar player comes up and it's like, but Miles was, was, he heard it. He Yeah. He saw Same with Tony Williams. Tony Williams being 17 when he joined Miles' band. Like, you know, that's amazing, man. Like, so Miles was a great judge of talent, I would say. I always heard that
0: Miles, when he built a band, he started with the drummer and act okay. around it that was his philosophy um uh, you, you know someone else that just came through town and one of our very well respected jazz reviewers said that she was absolutely the real deal with Samara Joy she performed at a local place here downtown and said that she was phenomenal vocalist yeah yeah she's the singer that won the grammy last year she's a young yeah. singer
1: yeah my wife and i were checking out yeah she's definitely uh got a, her range is incredible and she yeah. does sound uh someone from a, an earlier era yeah in, in. yeah I
0: always hear that cecile mclaurin Savon is just like if you catch her live it's transformative what does she play she's a singer
1: vocalist too okay yeah
0: yeah she's a vocalist so um yeah so we're just we're just adding to the pile here <laughs> yeah so if anyone out there wants to get the Babylonia Suite, anything else that you've done learn about live shows anything about your world where's the best place to go
1: uh I, that would be my website which is www.il That's jazz dot c a. that's my album is supposed to be out on Spotify and everything today, but there's like a little technical glitch. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> trying to solve that. And once it's uh once it's all good to go, then my album be- Babylonia Suite is coming out today, November second, on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp. It is it is on Bandcamp. And you can hit me up for a physical copy too if you want.
0: Right on, man. Hey, thank you so much for taking a minute out today to talk about the album, your world of music. I really appreciate it.
1: No problem. Nice to meet
0: you, Joe. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Toronto, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe giving fans all that jazz. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
1: Neon Jazz.